0: The first government shutdown pictures to make the airwaves depicted National Park trash cans overflowing. In every shutdown, it seems like the national parks are the first to feel the effects. To get some idea of the extent of the problems just before the three-week agreement to reopen the government, I spoke with John Gardner, Senior Director of Budget and Appropriations at the National Parks Conservation Association. I asked him about the association. What does it do in relation to the nation's national parks?
1: The National Parks Conservation Association was started two years after the National Park Service by the same people who started the Park Service. The idea was to have a public interest nonprofit group that could look out for the preservation of the parks over time.
0: What is going on in the national parks at this point?
1: There are so many areas in which this has been damaging due to the nature of shutdowns, but also the approach that this administration has taken to it, which concerns us a great deal. Um, There are a lot of demoralized park service rangers who are uh, having to stay home, not serving visitors, doing the job protecting parks they want to do, and not getting paid. There are some staff who are considered quote-unquote essential law enforcement and other staff who are out in the parks, but they're also not getting paid. And in some cases, they're seeing the damage that's happening parks due to the administration's approach of doing a kind of partial shutdown situation.
0: On your website, it says that a third of the places of the parks are actually shut down uh, totally. Is that more the museum types of locations as opposed to the broad outdoor types of locations?
1: That's right. Mostly uh, smaller historic sites and other sites that are essentially buildings that can be locked. There are a lot of local communities that are really concerned about the impacts that this is having on some local businesses. There are increasingly concerns as well about the long-term impacts this could have both from the damage that we're seeing to park resources as a result of both visitors not having an understanding of the damage that their activities can cause when there's no monitoring and education by happening rangers, as well as in some cases where there are uh, some bad actors who are purposely causing some damage to park resources.
0: So, the problem stems from the parks being open by the administration so people can use them, but not having the staff that would normally be there in enough quantity or to make sure that people behave the way they should?
1: There are threats to parks, park visitors, and resources in any shutdown scenario, but the problem is exacerbated both by their approach to leaving parks partially open in many cases without sufficient staff to ensure visitor safety, to ensure resources are protected. And also adding to the challenge is that um, the fiscal impacts this is having to an already underfunded park service uh, are being exacerbated by not only are they unable to collect fees right now, they've lost over $10 million with that, but also that superintendents who manage parks have been instructed To zero out fee accounts by using those fees to essentially continue this troublesome situation. Superintendents and many times partner groups have been counting on those visitor fees to do deferred maintenance projects to essentially fix up our parks and do other projects that will improve the visiting experience. So now there's going to be a long-term impact from using those fee accounts to essentially continue a damaging situation.
0: We're speaking with John Gardner, Senior Director of Budget and Appropriations at the National Parks Conservation Association. And let's uh, go into this a little deeper, starting with the current physical effects of people being in there and not being fully supervised. Tell us some of the examples of what, what you've been seeing or what's been reported to the association.
1: We are getting reports from around the country coming in with threats to wildlife and threats to habitat. Joshua Tree is one obvious example that's gotten a good deal of press where some bad actors cut down a Joshua Tree. These trees take hundreds of years to grow and created off road trails that really damage fragile desert habitat, but also off road vehicle activities on some of the, or at least one of the national seashores. Uh, These are some of the purposeful acts. People are are doing, but there, you know, as well as uh, some graffiti and threats of vandalism and some some break-ins. But then there is also the the things that visitors are doing that, in some cases, they don't know any better or they don't have a lot of options. There are closed restrooms, but people are still going to visit parks, and so there are problems with human waste, but also trash cans that are overflowing, and that can be a long-term threat to wildlife. For example, in the Great Smoky Mountains, those overflowing trash cans create a situation where it threatens the black bear population becoming habituated to that trash. The black bear population has tripled in the Great Smoky Mountains, and anytime bears are habituated to human trash, it creates a dangerous situation and creates a threat that the Park Service will have no choice but to uh, kill those bears in order to look out for human safety. There are threats to wildlife in the long term as well due to a number of scientific studies that are really important to ensuring the recovery and long-term health of wildlife populations. Those studies are not currently happening right now. There was a fire in a visitor center at Sagamore Hill National Historic Site, and they haven't been able to assess the damages there due to the shutdown. And In a lot of other places, there are likely cases of vandalism and damage that the Park Service doesn't even know about because they don't have the staff to get out there and really do these damage assessments. And so when the Park Service does eventually come back, when those park rangers get back on duty, they're going to have to spend a lot of time and resources not only cleaning up our parks, but going out into the field. And assessing to see all the damage that has been done in a number of these places, both inadvertently and through intentional acts.
0: And looking at the fiscal side of it, of course, the fare boxes are not taking in any visitor fees. And you mentioned that those fees have a purpose. And tell us more about that situation financially.
1: There are growing financial impacts to the Park Service, which has already been operating without the resources it needs. There have been increasing numbers of visitors while at the same time decreasing numbers of staff over time now, where over the last several years, we've seen a 19% increase in visitation, but at the same time, an 11% loss of staff over time. And so going into this shutdown, we saw parks already understaffed. Now there are a number of fiscal impacts. As a result, one of them is fees, the double whammy of not being able to collect fees. We estimate $400,000 per day that they are not collecting, but also zeroing out those fee accounts due to some questionable direction from the administration. When you say
0: zeroing out the accounts, what does that mean?
1: There are fee dollars that are technically unobligated right now, but are intended to be used by superintendents, sometimes with help from partner groups to do Uh, deferred maintenance projects to repair parks and otherwise ensure a more quality visiting experience. Sometimes superintendents save up that money over years because they don't get enough from fees each year for some of these larger projects. So they have had plans for this money, but because in terms of accounting, it may not be officially obligated. Essentially, they are being pressured to take that uh, money to use it to provide some basic staff to just continue this bare-bones operating of parks. And as a result, that money won't be there for some really important project.
0: Got it. So what should happen next to reverse this? Other than full appropriations and opening up, do you recommend that the administration just close off the parks altogether and then at least stop further damage?
1: The, the most important thing that needs to happen is that decision-makers need to come to agreement to reopen our national parks. And we encourage listeners to call their members of Congress, their senators in particular, and urge them to, to work together to get this resolved. Otherwise, unfortunately, over three weeks of discussions, we had to come to the conclusion that what the Park Service is doing is not only irresponsible, But also uh, legally questionable. We made a uh, request of the uh, Office of the Inspector General for the Department of the Interior to investigate some legal concerns, and we have been forced to arrive at the position where until the shutdown ends, we do think for the protection of resources and for the protection for the long-term safety of visitors that our parks have to shut down.
0: John Gardner is Senior Director of Budget and Appropriations in Government Affairs at the National Parks Conservation Association. We spoke just before the White House agreed to that three week continuing resolution. We'll post a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.
1: As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit.